0: Good morning and welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so happy that you're here worshiping with us. We just want to invite you to stand and worship with us. But before we get started, I just want to encourage you. We care about our family and friends, and we want to let them know where we're at this morning. So if you have a second to check in on Facebook and tell them where you're at listening to the Word of God. Amen.
1: Somebody give him some praise this morning. We serve a good God. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to introduce a new song to you this morning called Come Alive. And, and from when, when I listened to it, it reminds me of Ezekiel chapter 37. I wanted to read verses 3 and 4 to you. It says this, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord, God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes in our life we go through seasons where there's dry stuff, amen, and we need the Lord to begin to breathe on us again and begin to speak life, but as we begin to worship and continue, rather, to worship, I encourage you, hey, begin to speak to those things life that you're dealing with. Maybe you walk through and you're dealing with certain circumstances, but as we continue to worship, hey, engage with the Lord. Let your heart connect with Him and let Him begin to breathe life, amen. JOHN Ch- Of unrelenting love rescue. Somebody cry out with me and
0: Let's cool. Is calling out your name, to come alive! The Spirit of the Living God is
1: calling out your name, to come alive! Lord, to ever dying thing, Lord, in our life, Lord, the things that we think are past and gone, Lord, we say, come alive! We speak to those things, the spirit of the living God. Oh,
0: the spirit of the living God is coming. i it up. It's Change is what we see, and what we see. When you come in the room, when you do what only you can do. It changes us, it changes what we see, and what we see. Oh, you're changing everything.
1: We're going to continue to worship and keep that heart. But I want you to go ahead, if you can, and be seated. The ushers are going to serve you with communion as we continue to worship. Blood of Jesus was bled for that we say now, Lord, the key
2: song how beautiful the blood flowed well this is what communion reminds us of it reminds us of Jesus Christ his body and his blood that was shed for us because we have a problem as human beings it's too big for us to fix it's called sin you never hear it talked about in the news you don't hear documentaries about it any longer They, they may call it other things they may call it some dysfunction or they may call it you know Mistakes, but they never refer to it. What it is is our sin against God. Adam and Eve, our spiritual and our uh, our forefathers, were driven from the Garden of Eden because of sin, and God devised a way to restore our relationship. See, sin's serious. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but then it says this the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we hold this cup in hand today, we're doing what Jesus told his disciples to do 2,000 years ago. They had a meal. It was called the Last Supper. And Jesus said, he took some bread, he broke it, and said, take a bite, and said, whenever you eat this, I want you to remember my body that was broken for you. Whenever you drink this cup, he passed around a cup of wine. And they all took a drink, and he said, remember that my blood was shed for you. And it's the greatest gift that God could have given mankind, a way to restore relationship with him is what makes Christianity different than any other religion in the world not because we're somehow superior or better but because God made a way through Christ to relate to, to restore us as I asked the Lord yesterday about a, perhaps a thought to share in communion I was quickly reminded of the scripture where Jesus predicted while he was yet alive he said you know what he told his disciples I'm going to be crucified and killed but three days later I'm coming back never to die again And he predicted that multiple times, and I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. Tell the people that if he could do that, he can take care of them in their future. That if he has the power over death, come on, that he's in control of America, no matter who wins the election. I mean, no, Jesus is still the sovereign of the universe. Our God is in control, and we serve and live in a higher kingdom. Paul the Apostle said these words. He said, I receive from the Lord that which I deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he would given thanks, he broke it. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, as we bow just a moment, it's a very simple reminder. But it is quite profound. And all of us would pray today that you would just reveal yourself to us in a greater measure. I don't know how many hundreds of times I've taken communion. How many hundreds of times I've read these verses. But I pray that God would make it go deeper in our hearts. The love that he has for us. Welcome Holy Spirit today. Help us love you back in return. Serve you all our days. Ask you to bless this bread and ask you to heal the sick in our midst. In Jesus' name. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. The cup is the color of blood, reminding us of the biblical truth that says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And that's what Christ did for us. Could you just bow your heads a moment and Might we come to God? I think communion's a a wonderful time just to reorient our life. If we've kind of gotten off track and gone our own way, could we just ask God to forgive us now? Forgive us for the things we've done wrong and forgive us for the things we failed to do right. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Lord, we ask you to wash us and we ask you to take our shame and guilt away. And we do simply what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, You're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now, Lord, we choose today to forgive those that have sinned against us. You said, Lord, after the Lord's Prayer, that if we didn't forgive people for their sins, you wouldn't forgive us, and we don't want to be judged. So we just bless those that have hurt us, those that love us and our enemies alike. We bless them today in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your cup to heaven and say, Lord Jesus, until you come, let us be faithful, Lord, as we serve you all our days. In, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hey, stand to your feet. We're going to sing one more song this morning. And
1: now I sing freedom for all of my days.
0: you me,
1: thankful for that this morning. Somebody give him some praise. He's worthy. Amen. We serve a good God. Hey, why don't you turn around, greet your neighbor, tell him you're happy to see him in the house of the Lord.
3: Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today.
4: In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church.
3: Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and
2: outreach opportunities.
4: If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag.
3: And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock.
0: Last week, over $7,000 was given to the Titus Family's ministry, Christ for India, to go toward buses for their schools as they continue to reach the people of India. Join us next weekend as special guest, Pastor Jay Threadgill, missionary to Haiti, will be speaking in all three weekend services. Our Sidewalk Sunday School Boombox Blast is on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. Meet at the church at 3.30 if you would like to be a part of this outreach ministry next saturday night is parents night out we offer free extended child care after saturday night service for our attendees and pizza is provided for the kids pick up a ticket from an usher after saturday night service recheck your child in and you're on your way
5: Amen. Welcome to Church on the Rock. I'm sure somebody's enjoying this fall weather somewhere other than Texas. Amen. A little cooler somewhere else. If you need a little more elbow room, don't forget about Saturday night service. It'll uh, make room for more people in here as we're growing. That's a good thing. And also, it'll free up your Sundays. Do some family time or have some time off. So Saturday night's a great service or first Sunday morning one. Hey, let's watch a little encouraging word from Robert Morris about voting. We have registration out in the lobby. You want to be sure to register to vote.
3: God is in control, Jesus is still the answer, but we still need to do our part. I wanna encourage you, I know we lead busy lives, but I wanna encourage you to register to vote if you're not registered to vote. And then after you're registered to vote, to get informed and to pray and to vote. These elections are so important and there's so much at stake in our country, in our state and even locally. One time, Debbie and I realized that the next day we had local elections, we had a full day book, and we both said we've got to get up early and get there as soon as the polls open because it's so important to let our voice be heard, and we live in a country that we can let our voice be heard. So I love you guys so much because you love the Lord, you're giving, you're serving, you're praying. I want to encourage you to do your part in this area also. Register to vote, pray, and then vote. I love you guys
5: amen if you want to check out a whole message from him it's called still it's at the gateway uh at their website but it's one of the best messages i've heard no matter what angle you're coming from politically to just realis- really really uh, help us to realize how what we need to do as christians but again re- remember to register to vote out in the lobby amen they're going to show some pictures on this back screen and pastor mike and his team they went out to four different aco- apartment complexes this week right yeah we do sidewalk sunday school we take uh, our little boom box truck out and And uh, do a sidewalk Sunday school lesson. We added two, so now we're doing four. And our very first time uh, over at uh, Rose Hill Ridge, we had over 50 kids and 12 adults. So that means, amen, give God glory. That means in one week, this is in one week, doing four places, that was ministering to over 180 young people. So I uh, just give God glory for your helping us doing that. That's amazing.
4: If you want to get involved, I'm telling you, every person in here, there's a place for you to get involved. There's a place for you to serve. and There's a place for you to use your influence to further the kingdom of God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to look at a few verses here for our offering, verses 19 and 20. Genesis chapter 14. Listen to this. This is what the Bible declares. It says, And Mechizeldeck blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram. By God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, who has delivered your enemies into your hands, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Say a tenth. This is the first reference in the Bible to the tithe. And if you've read this story, Abram just won a great victory, and his response was to give God 10% of everything that he had. And as I was just thinking about this verse this morning, I thought there's a lot of great reasons why we give our tithes and our offerings. And I want to give you three real quick this morning. Number one, uh, first reason that we give our tithes and our offering is to thank God. How many people know God is worthy to be thanked? God is so good to us. He's so faithful to us. Abram understood this. He said it's because of God. Listen, it's because of God that we live that we move, that we have our being, that we live in a free nation. It's because of God that we can have peace and we can have joy. And we need to remember to thank Him. One of the ways we thank Him is through our tithes and offerings. The second reason that's a good reason to give is to honor God. Listen, Abraham understood that I'm going to honor God, and one way I can honor Him is through giving my tithe. Listen, God is deserving of our honor. Honor means to respect We respect God. We honor God. And when we give to Him, that shows honor. God, I'm giving to you because I respect you, because I honor you. And here's the last reason, reason number three, and I love this. God can multiply our tithe and our offering. How many people know we don't have the power to really multiply things like God does? Even the best stockbroker, even the best, you know, whatever uh, scheme or best uh, get-rich-quick gimmick isn't even close to what God can do. God multiplies our money and He turns it into ministry. You see it every single week. We show pictures of what God's doing. God's doing in the apartment complexes. We had a team that left this morning to go to Haiti for a week uh, to build a church. Listen, God can multiply what we give Him. So again, thank you so much for giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. Let's honor God this morning with our, our tithes and our offerings. Amen? Amen. God bless you.
2: Reach out to heaven as we That's our prayer today, that you simply would be real to us. It's what you promised in the book of James, that if we would draw near to you, you said you'd draw near to us. It's not spooky or weird or mystical, but it's the reality that God is near. And I pray that for all of us, Lord, certainly as we're here this morning. But God, when we leave this place, when we go back to our homes, our workplace, when we're having fun, when we wake up in the morning, let us be aware of the presence of God. You just say, Lord, I I want that. I I don't want my religion just to be a tradition. I don't want it just to be a Sunday believer, but I want to walk with God seven days a week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Say, praise the Lord. God bless you. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are glad they're here this morning. Well, turn your Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of Genesis. Gonna go. We're going to go to Genesis 39. It'll be a couple minutes. I want to paint a little background as we continue with the series, Not Your Average Joe. It's a series about Joseph in the Old Testament, but uh, before, I, before I get into my text this morning, let me share something I shared with the church last night. It's kind of funny, a little insight into the Miller family. Uh, yesterday, uh, my daughter has this young man that's trying to capture her fancy, so uh, he, he br- sent her some flowers. Some beautiful roses at the house, and I'm a teaser, and I was home, so I sent a text to my daughter when they left. I said to be sure and thank him for the flowers and tell him I missed him too. <laughs> uh, little emoji, you know, with the, with the uh, uh, winking, and she said, uh, will do, and her little emoji had, you know, uh, smiling and crying at the same time. Well, uh, my wife didn't know what was going on. She was. Uh, we had a big garage sale yesterday for our missions group, And uh, she got home uh, just before church started, and I get this text just before I come and preach, and it says, the flowers are absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Now they're in the kitchen, they're right by the sink. And I thought, hmm, this made my wife very happy. So I said, they're for the most beautiful girl in Texas. And she said, you're prejudiced. I love you. I said, I love you more. And she sends back this little, uh, cute little emoji that looks like her. I love you to the moon. So anyway, I asked the church last night, what should I do now? Okay, let's see how well you know me. How many of you think I walked in the house and just smiled like everything was cool? Let me see your hand. Okay, You're wrong. How many think I bribed Rebecca to be quiet? You're wrong. I bought some flowers. Don't clap too much. Didn't have the intended effect because her sister was at church last night and told her what was going on and she perceived my actions were less than honest. So I have a dilemma. I have some used flowers out in the lobby if anybody would like them, we'll contribute it.
5: But in all fairness, (laughs) I learned that I was not the most beautiful woman in the state of Texas.
2: We were gonna have prayer. Uh, the the uh, the Aggie fans wanted me to have a memorial service for the Hogs, and uh, we don't have time, though. But we will pray for the Cowboys. How about that? Okay, forget all that. Here we go into the Bible. Not your average Joe. Average is average means someone just like everyone else, completely average versus extraordinary, exceptional. And an extraordinary person stands out above the crowd. I mean, there, there's, there's something about them that's different. When I was in high school, I, I played basketball, 10th and 11th grade. Wasn't any good. You know, make two, three, four points a game, not many. But there was this guy on our team. His name was Gary Wilkerson. He wasn't much taller than we were, a few inches taller. But this guy was a natural-born athlete. I mean, he could play basketball. He could dunk it frontwards, backwards, make 40 points a game. I mean, our job as the team was to get the ball to Gary. and and you can get the picture, Gary was an exceptional athlete. I mean, he, he was head and shoulders above the crowd. Well, this message is not about sports, but it's about God's desire to help you and I live an extraordinary life. Whether it's in our work world, whether it's as a father, a mother, whether it's as a parent, whatever we do in life as a student, God wants us to be extraordinary. And listen, He wants to help us it's not just us doing more and working harder. God gives us graces. He partners with us. And that's what the series has been about, uh, about learning how Joseph was able to do this, become exceptional. Uh, you Remember, we have talked about extraordinary people follow the master's plan uh, and extraordinary people pass the test. Last week, we talked about different tests in life, that that if we pass them, they're a stepping stone, but they could stop us uh, from becoming extraordinary. Well, today, I want to talk about Joseph again, but he's going to show us that extraordinary people live within biblical boundaries. The title of the message is Boundaries, but a boundary is a limit we set to define what we'll do or what we won't do. So the idea is the word boundaries today, and let me it's a little more background. Everybody has a background, and everybody needs one. Everybody needs boundaries in their life. Everybody everybody, everybody needs them. Uh, if I could maybe give you a picture, too, to illustrate this. Um, now, if you can imagine these dogs, perhaps they love to swim, but the only problem is there's a, a highway where cars may be going 60 miles an hour down the highway. How many know that fence is going to save their life? It's a boundary, and we may not like the boundary. It it may seem like it's inappropriate, but it's a good thing for us. Here's another one. Um, That's glass on the bottom and glass on the side. Show us the other one, another view of this. How many would love to walk around that? Let me see your hand. God bless you all. How many are smart enough not to get on that thing? Yeah, there you go. You're with me. All right, but anyway, if you happen to get on it, how many know, look how many people have their hand on the handrail if you can see it, because the handrail is there to keep you safe. A handrail is there that if you went over the side, how many know even though it's glass they're standing on, how many know glass is better than air, because it's a boundary. Let me show you one last one. Uh, every parent and grandparent knows this. When that child is old enough to pull up, one of the first words we say by the stove is No. You put the, the pot at the back, you turn the handle away so they don't call themselves. But you're not trying to hurt that child. You're not trying to stop their self-expression. You're trying to provide a boundary, and even an invisible boundary, to keep that, uh, keep that little baby safe. So that's what we're talking about. But as I'm using the term today, a spiritual boundary is a limit that we set about how far we'll go, about what we'll do and what we won't do. Now, again, if you were to contrast the word boundless, it means no limits. It's like the dog running into the street and gets run over. Or, or maybe you drink too much. Maybe you, you, you didn't set the proper boundary around alcohol if you choose to drink. And, and you drank too much and you didn't get a cab or a friend and you drove and you killed someone. I mean, no, you kill them not just because you were drinking, but you kill them because there was a boundary that you ignored. There was something that should control behavior and we went beyond it. Uh I, I wanna the, I'm going to broaden what I'm talking about today. Now, when we get into Joseph, we're going to look at what we looked at last week. We talked about Joseph and his temptation with Potiphar's wife. We'll go back to that little video clip, but we're going we're to look at it bro- more broadly than just the, 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 the sexual boundary that he set for himself. And we all do need boundaries. We need sexual boundaries before we're married and after we're married. But here's another boundary we need. We need boundaries about our sleep. Uh, Proverbs twenty thirteen. Don't be too fond of sleep, or you'll end up in the poorhouse. Does anyone know how many times you can hit the snooze on the iPhone? We took a poll last night. How many have tried at least three times? Let me see your hand. Yeah, five, uh, uh, ten. Uh-huh. H- uh huh. H- how many uh, do you remember? But it was about ten. How many you remember? I don't remember, but it was about 10. See, it's because they wanted to get up about 4 or 5 in the morning to pray, and it it took them a while to get out of bed. No, but seriously, how many know sleep is, is reparative? Sleep is necessary. Sleep is God's way to restore us. But how many know that we can sleep beyond what's necessary and lose productivity in our life? or the fruitfulness of our life. We need a boundary uh, on how long we stay in bed. Uh, we need boundaries on addictive substances. Some things clearly we should say no to. Some things, you know, that there is personal choice that's involved, for example, alcohol. But Proverbs 23 says this. It asks the question, who has trouble? Who has bloodshot eyes? It's people who drink too much wine who try out different kinds of strong drinks. Now. You're watching the Cowboys today, if they're advertising Bud Light, this is not what you're going to hear. You're going to be presented with a fun time, and the more the better. But verse 32 says, later it bites like a snake with poison in its fangs. Now how in the world could, you know, a glass of wine, a can or two of beer, how in the world could that have fangs, poisonous fangs? I'll illustrate it for you. Uh, a number of years ago, I had a, 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 a vendor that was uh, taking care of my grass, and uh, he, he put down fertilizer, and he would test the pH, and, and uh, I mean, kill the bugs, and, and, and if there was anything out of place, he'd come back and do it again. I mean, he was, just, he was so good, I'd refer him to everyone, but all of a sudden, he disappeared. And I asked the company a little, a couple, about a year or so after that what happened to him and kind of sheepishly they said, well, you know, he was drinking one night and he got a DWI and our policy is our drivers can't, you know, they just can't do that. It was a snake that bit him. Whether it appeared to be innocent, whether, whether it could be justified or not, but because there was not a boundary there, it was more important for him to have some fun, do whatever. He, 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 he lost his job. One of the big, one we need, big ones that we need boundaries about is our time. We need a balance between, between leisure and work. Uh, listen, duck season's coming up, and if I'm not careful, I could duck season myself right out of my job. Are, are, are you with me today? I'm glad you said no way there, Pastor. There's exceptions to this. No, but really, I mean, we can become so enthralled with our hobbies that we lose the importance of work, or vice versa. We can let work become more important than our family. It's particularly difficult for men. Our our identities, unfortunately, are more tied up in our work and what we produce than our identity being in God, and we can become workaholics, neglect our family, lose the formative years of our children's lives, or even destroy our marriage. I mean, boundaries are are where it's at. Uh, Our finances, uh, do you live within your means? Is that a boundary that you have, or is it pretty much, you know, if I don't have the money, I just charge it? Well, how many know you've just gone beyond the boundary and sooner or later it bites you? Uh, How about boundaries for giving? Uh, If the sale is good enough, will I I steal the Lord's tithe? I mean, all this has to do with boundaries in our life. So with this broad picture, now I want to go to the book of Joseph. And again, we're going to look at a little video and they're going to read his story. And we're going to find some lessons from his life about this idea of boundaries in life. Mind you now, Joseph was sold by his brothers as a slave into Egypt. And he, he prospered. The guy that, that bought him was named Potiphar. He was the Pharaoh who was like the ultimate dictator. He was the Pharaoh's chief of staff. And lo and behold, what happened is this man continued to do good, continued to do right, and he was promoted to literally be over-Potiphar's uh, household. Take a peek here of, of uh, Potiphar's wife and, and, and what she did with Joseph.
0: It was the last day of the harvest festival. The gratitude to the gods. I set about arranging the house, believing it to be empty. Joseph. Mistress. Joseph. I thought we understood each other. Oh, I understood you. But I think you misjudged me. So, I've decided to give you a second chance. Stop! Oh, Joseph. Perhaps, perhaps if we talked more, became close, perhaps you might see me differently. You might see how melancholy I am. My husband is so busy all the time.
2: Okay, let's think about boundaries just a second. Let's read the passage in Genesis 39. When Joseph's master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and gave him success in everything he did, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. See, again, remember last week we talked about the test of success. Success will open different temptations than when you're struggling. Well, Verse 6, Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of him and said, come to bed with me. But notice his boundary, he refused. The reason he refused was on a number of levels, but the most important was is because he saw it as a sin against God, and that became a boundary in his life. He said, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and Sin sin against God? Let's, let's think about boundaries just a minute. If you remember the first part of the, of the little clip, he's talking to Potiphar's master, and he's outside the, 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 the home complex, and he told his master, he said, I, I was going in the house because I didn't think anyone was there. Now, I suggest to you the implication is he didn't know that his master's wife was in the house. And what he did is he had a boundary, and it's a healthy boundary, is I'm not going to get myself in an intimate session alone with someone other than my spouse. For example, um, and I'm not saying you never, you know, if there's a female, if you're a male, or vice versa, you know that you run away. Uh, I mean, you go to the doctor's office, probably the nurse is going to shut the door if you're a man. I mean, I mean, it's a part of our world. But if you're on the, a business trip, and you travel, you know, your team is traveling, and, uh, uh, you know, you're a guy, you're a girl, you probably don't want to go to the, the bar at the Westin after work and get drinks together. I mean, somewhere there needs to be some lines of behavior. Joseph wouldn't go in the house if he knew she was there. If you're single and you want to keep your purity, and that's what, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a case this morning for sexual purity. The joy of intimacy is God's idea. God created us the way He did for the pleasure aspect, for childbearing and other things, but it's God's idea. He just put boundaries around it, and if you live within God's boundaries long term, it's better off. You might have to defer some gratification, but long-term, if you live within God's boundaries, it's always better. You know, I've been married to my wife for 33 years. I thank God for that. Well, guess what? I don't want to start over because she or I found somebody else to replace. Are you with me today? And it's not a condemnation for any of us that have suffered the pain of a divorce. It's just that now when I'm on this side of what used to be a lot of temptation when I was young... It, I'm glad I made the choices that I make and live within the boundaries that I'm living within. If you're a single person, if you're a, it, 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 let me tell you, if you want to keep your boundaries right, let one of your boundaries be is we're not going to have a date in your apartment on the couch and watch TV all night. I mean, we're not going to go to the to you know to a quiet place in the lake with a blanket, you know. I mean, we're not—we're not gonna. That's just some things that we're not gonna gonna do. Uh, Joseph had a boundary, and one of his boundaries. Remember, when she came close to him, he walked away, and then she yells at him, and then sooner or later he runs away. So there's boundaries that not only we won't cross, but if other people cross into our safe zone, then we get away from it. But I want you to think about in this context: Why did Joseph walk away from a beautiful woman? Now, in our culture today, in our world. Uh, sex is basically, listen, if I'm attracted to you and you to me, then everything is great. Now, if, if I don't like you, then that's the reason that I walk away. But for Joseph, it was different. And, and listen to this. His refusal was based on his boundaries, and his boundaries were based on his relationship with God. His boundaries for a life of purity was based on his relationship with God. And what he did is he lived by godly principles that when the Bible was not even written. He didn't have a Bible to teach us right and wrong like we do today. For example, in Proverbs 6, some of these principles that Joseph lived by, uh, 629, it says, these commands are like a lamp. And what is a lamp? There's like a flashlight in the dark. It shows you the way to go, and the correction that comes from them will help you have life. Now, when I was, uh, before I was a Christian when I was young, I-, I thought commandments and the Ten Commandments were, I mean, they just cramped your, cramped your style. It just took your fun away. It just made you where you couldn't enjoy life as opposed to being a safe thing, a good thing, to help you stay on the right path. And I'm going to suggest that when you hear the word commandment, that you think of the word boundary, and it's not there to hurt me. It's like the handrail, or it's like the, the fence that, the, that, that kept the dog alive. Uh, Verse 24, these commands or boundaries will keep you from the sinful women and from the pleasing words of another man's unfaithful wife. Don't desire her because she's beautiful and don't let her capture you by the way she looks at you. For a woman who takes part in adultery may cost you your life and you cannot walk on hot coals without burning your feet. What does that mean? If Joseph had fooled around with Potiphar's wife, sooner or later he'd have gotten caught. Because, the, because when you, once you start crossing the barrier, once you start crossing the boundary, it pulls you, you want to cross it more and more, and before you know it, somebody's going to see, somebody's going to tell, or she's going to get tired of him, and uh, it blows up in your face. Proverbs 5.20, it adds to this, Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? For your ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all your paths which again it adds to the idea is that is that you know when i turn out the lights it doesn't mean that god can't see and it is the fear of god that helps me stay, two things help me stay in the boundaries the fear of god and the love of god and accountability to spiritual mature people when i'm struggling Because I I don't trust myself in every area. I want to keep my boundaries, but when those feelings grow, because in this particular case, how many know Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And I bet you virtually every one of us are guilty. But how many know it can grow in our mind? And before we know it, it's controlling us and defining us. Joseph, Joseph, now back to Joseph, he honored his master's marriage he realized adultery could destroy his life, but he saw adultery as a sin against God. And he, he, this caused him to respect these God-given boundaries for sexuality. Now, if we could contrast another biblical character, his name is Samson. Judges 16, again, Samson is a, is, is a leader. He's a judge in Israel. He's a guy that did a lot of good things, but he had a boundary that he would regularly go across that was very costly. Uh, One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. In verse 4, just a little bit later, he's falling in love with a woman named Delilah. And Delilah, of course, the boundary was that the Israelites were only supposed to marry within their tribe. But yet, here he goes outside of it. And this boundary, because he didn't have biblical godly boundaries, it cost him his freedom. You remember, he became a slave. Then it cost him his eyesight. You remember when he was taken captive, they gouged out his eyes, and then ultimately it cost him his life. And you say, ooh, that's the Bible. I'm glad it's not like that today. It is like that today. Have you ever heard of a guy named Congressman Anthony Weiner? A few weeks ago, he was caught for the second time sexting. And in case you're innocent, good for you. But what that is, is using your phone to take pictures of yourself in, in, in not, not modest positions and send them to people. Once it's out there, you can never get it back. But here, this guy, he has him another girlfriend, not thinking about the fact that if he's crossed this line before, and Huma probably threatened him, if you do it again, you're out of here, but something about the boundary, come on, whether he saw her or she saw him, he took the picture, and when he took the picture, Somehow the tabloids found out. Huma found out. Now she said, I'm done with you. His political career is over. But guess what? CPS is investigating him because his one-year-old child was laying in bed next to him. You say, well, how could that happen? It's because there's this pool. It's like a magnet. And the closer you get, the closer you want to be. And you defy logic. You defy common sense. It's like gambling. After you've lost all the, all the money in your pocket, all the money in your account, you pull out your credit card thinking it'll be better. I mean, it's a pool that we have, and we need biblical boundaries, but later we'll talk about accountability that helps us where we seem like we can't help ourselves. Now, here's a the, here's the clear lesson. Biblical boundaries are good for us, and they keep us safe. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand for that. Now, let's continue this. About, because extraordinary people embrace God-given boundaries, and let me be very clear, God has boundaries that He wants us to have as a loving heavenly Father and ultimately as a judge. But here's the question, how do I set boundaries? And let me give you three very practical things. God sets boundaries through His Word, the Bible. Number two, through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit talk to you about something? Yeah. I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're getting ready to, to go shopping. Now, how many know, and there's Christian denominations that say, you know, there's a verse in the New Testament that talks about modesty, and they've defined what modesty is. And I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, how many inches above or below the knee, whatever the case is. Now, you can either shop with a tape measure, or you can look at the dress. How many know if the dress may be below your knee, but if it's got a slit up to here, that's still not modest? Come on now. And you pull that thing out, and the Holy Spirit can say, that's not for you. Or as we'll see later, it's in your cart and then your conscience can say, that's not for you. But we'll talk a little more about that. Again, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and our conscience, the third one. Genesis 2, this is what God told Adam. And he, or Adam. Uh, scripture says, God took Adam the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man. Now think about it. He gave him a boundary that was going to save his life. If he'd live lived within the boundary, he'd have never died. He'd have never had pain. He'd have never been bitten by a mosquito. Come on. He'd have never had to pay taxes to the IRS. No problems in life if he'd live lived within the boundary. This was the commandment. And God's boundary was, you can eat from every tree in the Garden of Eden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. How many know it only took one? Everything else was his, but there was one. And that's what he, that's what, that's what he went for. Again, the command is like a boundary. The command was spoken by God the Spirit. And now it's the written Word of God. And ignoring it... How many know we can ignore God's commandments? We have free will. Uh, it's just like my dog. Now, now, my, I don't have a, a, a literal fence. I've got an electric fence. Several years ago, we had a little doggie and a little sweet thing. She was about that tall, but she thought she was that tall. I, I remember when we got her, when we, when, when we got this little dog... Uh, we had a big black lab at one time, and this big black lab is by the door outside, and there's glass between them. And this little dog at that time was about that tall, and she went to that window of that black dog and went, I mean, she was just a terror. But she didn't have fence outside, and one day she was outside, and she just zoomed across our yard, the neighbor's yard, and there's a street that adjoined us, and she got killed. She didn't stay within her yard. Now, now we've got another little dog, the best dog we've ever had. He's a dog pal dog. He's a rescue dog. But we've got one of these electric fences. And I've got about nine acres. I like it. It's out in the country. And, and, and this dog has about an acre and a half or two acres that he can just run around. But he knows right where the fence is. He's got this little shock collar thing. And when he gets close, it starts going beep, 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 beep. beep. And he knows to stop. I mean, I'll be going to get the mail, and he walks from the house all the way down. But there's this one tree where the fence is, and he stops and sits while I go and get the mail because he knows the boundaries there. But think about this silly dog. Every once in a while, the batteries run out. (laughs) He knows it to the day. And he goes to the same house every time. Now, one time, the, the, the lady that he went to his house came to our church. She was here a couple weeks ago, so I guess my dog thinks he's an evangelist. But <laughs> anyway, one time he did this, and the first time he got away like that, and he comes home, and he's got a gash about three or four inches in his little abdomen, and we have to take him to get him sewed up. Boundaries are meant to keep us safe. God's Word and God's Spirit, come on, are there to keep us safe. When God told, uh, when God told uh, uh, Lot's uh, kids to get out of town, how many know there was a boundary that if you stayed in, it would be trouble, but if you followed God, you'd be safe. Noah gave them a boundary. God's going to destroy the earth. If you get on the ship, you'll be safe, but if you stay outside the boundary, you won't. Now, so the Word and the Spirit, and here's the next one, our conscience. Now, listen to 1 Timothy 1.19. It says, cling to your faith in Christ and... Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. shipwrecked. Now, what does this mean? Our conscience is kind of like an inner Geiger counter. It's a it's a it's an inner guidance system to help us determine right and wrong. Everyone has one, but your conscience, listen, if you stay close to God and your heart's tender to God, you can trust your conscience. But you can, the Bible says we harden our heart, we can harden our conscience. For example, if this is the boundary, the first time you go across it, you feel really bad. You think God's going to strike you. He doesn't. The second time, you don't feel quite as bad. The third time, it's just a little twinge. And the fourth time, it doesn't bother you at all. What's happened is you've hardened your heart, you've hardened your conscience. It's untrustworthy. But you can trust your conscience as you try to walk with God. And every time you feel bad, see, this is a pressure in the world today. There's some issues in our world today in terms of sexual choice that, 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 that the world is trying to silence the mouth of the, of the Bible believer because it makes people feel bad. Listen, and tragically, some people commit suicide. Listen, I don't want to ever do anything to condemn anyone. It's not my job to condemn, it's not my job to judge, it's not my job to shame. But on the other side, if somebody feels conviction and the world doesn't know the difference, they don't believe in God, so they don't know the difference between conviction and condemnation. And God's trying to say what you're doing is wrong, and what they're saying is la 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 la. la. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't hear it. So we'll just shut up the messenger. Listen, I mean, no, we speak the truth, but we speak it in love to people. <laughs> but conviction is a good thing, and our conscience is God's gift to us. Listen, you cannot, I, I, am, I, I am very much for living a holy life, but I'm very much against trying to define all of life by legalism and rules. Here's why. What movie or, or TV show is legitimate for a, a Christian to watch? If I were to poll you, we'd be different all across the, all across the congregation today. I, if you just make a rule and say, whatever it is, PG-13. Well, PG-13 is not the same today as it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. But listen, here's what you can trust. You can trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. you, you, though you don't have a verse that says, thou shalt not watch this movie, if you start to watch it and you feel convicted on the inside, come on. You can fast forward your TV at home through a lot of things, but if you're in a movie theater, it's either sit there or get out. And I'm not trying to be a prude, but what I'm trying to say is, trust the Holy Spirit in you. Nurture and keep a tender conscience and set your boundaries accordingly. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. That's, that's good. Let me, uh, let me head towards the end here. Now, everybody has boundaries, but biblical boundaries are better. Let me say that again. Biblical boundaries are better. And let me go back to Joseph with the, with the sexual temptation. Now, in our modern culture, the sexual boundary is basically this. Every, anything goes, as long as it's consensual, and as long as it's not an age issue, like with an adult or a child, that gap is growing, uh, is dissipating, though. But, but, the, but the sexual boundary of the world is basically this. Just don't, just don't have unprotected sex. All sex is okay, but just make sure it's protected sex. And that's pretty much the boundary of the world. I mean, every TV show, every movie, uh, classrooms, it's what it's taught. Uh, you will find a fight by one of our political parties against abstinence education. But listen... It, it, it's the culture of the world. That's their sexual boundary. But the Bible's boundary is a higher standard. The Bible's boundary is I, I won't have sex with anyone other than my spouse. The, the Bible understands that God gave us this gift of sex, of, of intimacy. A, and it's a gift from God, it's something to be cherished. But it's like it, it, it's inside a fence, and it's got a gate, and on that gate, it should be just my husband or just my wife. Now, that's God's standard. That's God's boundary. 1 Corinthians six eighteen says to flee from sexual immorality. And because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, in the most basic level, remember Joseph said, I'm not going to do this wicked thing and sin against God. The most basic level, as a Christian, I should set my boundary just because God says it in His Word. I mean, that should really be enough, but there's some very practical advantages. I can tell you this. The biblical boundary in this area is better because it will guarantee you, the biblical boundary will guarantee you'll never get a sexually transmitted disease. The biblical boundary will guarantee you, you will never have get uh, pregnant out of wedlock. You will never have to consider an abortion. You'll never have to deal with all the pain and hurt and heartache and, 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 and hatred and pulling the baby and child support. All those kind of things. Biblical marriage will protect you. Uh, biblical marriage, listen now, will, will give you a greater chance of being sexually satisfied in marriage. Let me tell you just a little background here. God makes these sexual boundaries. God designed what's called the attachment bond. Have You ever heard about it? I, I, the attachment bond is the feelings that we have around intimacy and the pleasure that couples have uh, in intimacy. Scientists have found that there's a hormone that creates this bond. It's called oxytocin and vasopressin. That Basically, here's it in a nutshell. The reason people like sex is the feelings that have, and the reason we have those feelings is because of these hormones in our bodies. But that hormone is not there to just give us a pleasurable experience. That hormone is to give you a commitment an attachment to one man, one woman, so that you can raise children, come on now, and take care of those children so there's not an absentee father. So those kids are raised in a home with a mom and a dad by biblical definition. And God put that within us, and when we keep going outside of the boundary because he, she's pretty, and she's pretty, and she likes me, and he's gorgeous, and he has muscles, and he has money... When we, when we do all of that, what we do is we confuse ourselves as who we're attached to. Now, listen, I don't want to condemn you because I understand that most of you were worldly like I was before I was a Christian, but I have been faithful to my wife for 33 years, and I'm just telling you today, just be faithful today for the rest of your life, no matter what you did yesterday. Let your mistakes be buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself if you got pulled across the boundary. But listen, let the rest of the days of your life, is I'm going to live within God's boundaries. And I'm telling you, it will be better in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good hand there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. We need accountability. And I'm going to close with this. To help us live within our boundaries. Now, accountability, by definition, is simply a willingness to accept responsibility for my actions. Now, I want to read a passage to you, willing to accept responsibility for my actions. I want to read a passage that, 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 and, and offer a broadened uh, interpretation. James 5, 14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Now, we've read this often. If he is, let him call for the elders of the church, and then let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, that's virtually understood across the boards that this word that sickness is just talking about physical uh, illnesses. Now, but you notice there's two words for being sick, verse 14 and verse 15. They're two different Greek words. And in particular, the second word is not just physical sickness, but it includes being spiritually weak, powerless, and weary. So, the elders are not just some Christian celebrity on TV, but an elder, it was the mature Christian leader that knows you and you know them. It's someone in relation, it's like in our context, like, like a life group leader. I mean, we encourage people to be connected with Christian friends so that they can have accountability in their struggles so that if I disappear, somebody knows I'm not there. Listen, if you don't show up on a Sunday, you could get lost in a crowd of a couple hundred people, but if you have a group of friends, eight or ten of you come on and you don't show up, somebody's going to know you're missing. So, But here's where here's where it adds to this now. Again, now the sickness is uh, powerless, sick, weary, uh, uh, and when I'm feeling not only physically ill, but spiritually weak, powerless, sick, or weary, if I've committed sins, I'll be forgiven. What's the sin? Again, it's I've, I've crossed the boundary. There's forgiveness. But verse 16 is interesting. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed or restored or made whole. The prayer of a righteous person has great power working. Now, what does that mean? That means that there's a boundary there that we're tempted. Maybe it's, maybe it's, um, maybe it's money. You know, maybe you don't have as much as you want, even w- whether you have a little or a lot. I mean, no matter what you have, there's always somebody that has more. There's always more out there, and there's always something that can pull me into it. But let's just say the line was, thou shalt not steal. You know it's true, but there's $100, and they're not going to miss it because it somehow missed the system, and you take it. You felt bad when you took it. but golly, you were able to buy this, I mean, this fall jacket, come on now, woo, I mean, this, the 99, uh, $99, I mean, it'll be on sale like later, but you'd have to wait till later, and it will only be for. but you got it, and, and the sky didn't fall, and then before you know it, you've, you've gotten a little smarter, and you figured out how to get another hundred, and then how to get a thousand, and now you're not feeling so bad, but you come to church one day, and you feel this little twinge. Of what you're doing. You need somebody to help pull you back. You need, when you're sick, to call for the elders, to pray for one another, to come to someone and say, I have crossed the boundary and I was wrong. Don't put it on Facebook, share it in the context of private <laughs> prayer. I have crossed the boundary, I was wrong Please pray for me because that's not my friend out there. That's my enemy, and I need somebody to pull me away from it because I don't have the self-will to get away from it. You kill it when you talk about it. If you keep it inside and mull it over you, it grows and grows and grows and becomes a friend. But when you tell somebody, this is a sin, I have crossed over, pray for me, help me, pull me back across. I'm telling you, and when when your friend becomes an enemy, you're going to get delivered from that thing. I may not have. The, I don't have. I personally don't have the willpower to keep myself within every boundary. But I can tell you, if I have spiritual people in my life and I have the humility to confess my sin, come on, God says He's going to help me through to the other side. And when I live in God's boundaries, there's a better life ahead. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And. Uh, we're going to just take just a moment to pray. Now listen, let me encourage you. You're going to before you think about how many tacos you're getting and whether you're getting chicken or beef, wait just a second. I I hope you registered to vote when we're done. Please stop by that table. It won't take but a minute. But would you give yourself just another minute or two and just allow the Holy Spirit to maybe just let this settle just a little bit. I mean, no, you could have cooked the best meal. I mean, super meal, have plenty for leftovers. But if you leave it out on the counter and don't put it in the refrigerator, come on, you're to have to throw it away. There's sometimes there's just a little bit extra. And I want to ask you to give yourself a God moment. Simply just let's bow our heads just a moment and simply you pray and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? I don't want to just hear about this. I don't want to just say, oh, preacher, good word. I, I want to I, I, I I submit my life afresh to God earlier I said I want to love you with all my heart but many many of us in this room today Satan has pulled us beyond the boundary and you're convicted by that today and you simply want to tell the Lord I realize God the boundary now and with your help I'm going to honor that boundary help me Lord Jesus I don't want to continue on the path I'm going but I need to make a change and I need you to help me Nobody looking around, your eyes closed, but if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand to heaven right now. Nobody looking around, it's not their business. That's right. You say, well, I don't need to do that. It's because you need to tell God, yes. Some simple way to say yes to God. That's it, just lift your hand. Nobody's looking around. You don't have to tell me or come for prayer. You don't have to do anything. But you do need to say yes to God. Because you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can harden your heart. or You can cause it to be soft and tender. Just lift your hand to heaven and say, yes, Lord. Now, Lord, I want to pray for myself and everyone in this room today that you give us grace to live within the boundaries. Grace, Lord. Grace to recognize God-given boundaries are good for us. And God-given boundaries will give us a better life. Lord, would you help us all to find, to humble ourselves and find those mature Christian friends and that we're willing to say, I've got a problem. Would you pray for me? Because I need your help. Hey, let's close with one last song here and then we'll dismiss we always want to make a place for prayer in our service um, if you're in just a second if you're here our prayer team is going to come to the front and they'll pray about anything maybe when you step out of these church walls you're going back to a problem maybe this week there's i don't know a doctor's appointment a big decision i mean no you can come to church and feel great but leave and step right back in your burden we want to give a personal opportunity for, for prayer for you today and we'll pray about anything Certainly, if there's something in this message that really grabs your heart, something if you feel the Lord just kind of tugging at you. to, Maybe you want to just confess in a confidential thing and just say, look, I I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling. We'd be honored to pray with you about anything. But the most important prayer we'd like to pray today, friend, is in your relationship with God. See, you could have received communion just a few moments ago, and that's a wonderful thing. But, friends, I went to church. All my life as a kid, I'm glad my mom made me go, but I was not a Christian. Going to church and taking communion and even buying a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Christ. What makes you a Christian is when not only do you ask for God's forgiveness, but you receive Him as your Savior. The Bible says, to as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God, even to those who would believe on His name. It is, the most, it is the most significant boundary in life is this boundary of sin that separates us from a loving God. And God has made a way through Jesus Christ that if we would believe on Him and follow Him, we would have everlasting life. And I want to pause right now and just ask if you're here today and say, Pastor, you're talking to me now. I need to get my life right with God. I want to make a commitment of my life to Christ today. Walk away from my old life and follow Jesus. If that's you, why don't you just lift your hand right now. We want to pray for you. Come on, lift your hand real quickly. Say, pray for me. God bless you. I want to commit my life to Christ. Somebody else, say, pray for me. I I want to commit my life to Christ today. Anyone here today, I'm out of time. God bless you, sir, in the back. Somebody else, just wave at me. Say, pray for me. I've walked with God before, but I've gotten away. I want you to pray for me. Listen, you that lifted your hands when we come up for prayer, I'm going to ask you, or if you want to commit your life to Christ, walk over to the cross. Someone there wants to pray with you and give you some things to help you live the Christian life. Come on, give one more hand to those that lifted their hand. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. And if you want to make your commitment to Christ, you come. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. and Men and women, they're going to be right here for you. And as we begin to sing, Pastor Nick is singing one chorus, and then we'll dismiss. But as they're making their way to the front, if you need prayer, you come. Most importantly, you're committing afresh to Christ. You come and let us pray for you. I love you. Thanks for coming today.
1: We're going to continue to pray around front. The prayer team is, and they'll be happy to pray with you about anything. But, hey, if you are not, if you don't need prayer, you're free to be dismissed. And just remind you, if you're not registered to vote, hey, stop by there and register this morning before you leave. You are perfect in all
0: of your ways. You are perfect.